Sports Beat Extra. Beats 102-103. I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford. There's more issues than the travel. I said I just can't do so it. As games go on and you don't get a goal, you start to have little questions in the back of your mind. Shane Long has done it! Welcome back to the latest edition this Saturday the 5th of September. I'm back with you on a week where we talk about sports abilities to break barriers and also chat to one of the Southeast's youngest international football call-ups. I'm Kevin Galvin and this is Sportsbeat Extra. This week we talk about the NBA's recent player protests with Tommy Omani. I believe what they did was right. Um, I'm not sure it's going to make any difference. And we catch up with a woman who could be one of Ireland's youngest ever international football caps. I was in the kitchen coming back from training and my dad was on a call with Tom and Vera and she just told me the news. But first, I was at the RSC last night as Waterford took a giant step away from the relegation battle with a 3-0 win over St. Patrick's Athletic. Usually this would be the point where I would introduce Waterford manager John Sheridan, but before I spoke to the Blues boss, I grabbed his counterpart Stephen O'Donnell for a short and fairly frank chat. Sports Beat Extra. Beat 102-103. Stephen, I suppose first of all, um, look, you were both on 11 points uh, coming into this game. Um, How, you know... How difficult is it for you now, kind of knowing that you're back in there and seeing them kind of get out of that position? They look like they're that they're much stronger than you tonight. Did you think they were? Yeah, I I thought they were. In yeah. what way? Um, I thought I they thought were. we'd by far the better chance, and I thought Did we you? owned the ball at nil all. Do you not? They scored no, from I, a corner I, and scored from a mistake. I didn't think they were by far the better team. Okay. but anyway, it's a game of opinions. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I suppose look, the fact of the matter is that it was three nil away from home is disappointing as well. You know yeah, that. there's no doubt about that. Yeah, we can't keep giving away goals. We're giving away. Um, from set pieces happening too often and, and mix-ups and just calamitous goals and we can't keep doing that or else we'll, we'll, we'll be on the wrong side of results but um, as I said I thought we created plenty of opportunities you know we missed two two or three great chances at nil all you might not think so thought so but I thought we did yeah. well I suppose the fact is uh, now Stephen you know you haven't scored in what five of your last six games I think so that must be a worry for you yeah definitely an issue it's something we're trying to um, trying to improve thought other games we were maybe had a lot of possession we didn't create much I thought we created enough tonight and got enough dangerous areas to score so um, if we keep creating uh, chances like we did tonight I think it won't be sooner rather than later before we get we hit the back of the net. Yeah, I suppose. Look, um, rewinding there a little bit. Last night we were talking. About, uh, I know you're, you're kind of asked answer the question. Yeah, no, I don't want to talk about that. I'm more more issues to be talking about than that. All right. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Stephen. Um, John, I suppose. Look, first of all, three massive points, three big goals. Is the zero next to your name though the most satisfying part of the night? Yeah, I think so. Well, the most important thing is getting the three points more than anything else. It's our first win since since I've come back. So. Because I, I, I think Pats are a really good football inside and they've got some really good players and I knew they'd give us problems, but for the lads to come away with a 3-0 victory is a, is a massive plus for us. A clean sheet and three goals is... But the three points the most important thing. Um, I was talking to Steve Donnell after the game. He was took homage at the fact that I had mentioned that he were the better side over the game, felt like his side were the better side and it was just a case of taking their chances. Well, they, they, listen, they're a good team. They, they, I knew they'd give us problems possession-wise, they did, but we've scored three goals and they haven't scored, so yeah. I think... I'm, Whatever way you want to look at it, so that's the only the only way I look at it is uh, I, I was just pleased that we kept a clean sheet, we scored three goals, and we come away with the three points. We can play better, but I, I think we could have we could have actually, if our decision making was better, we could have caused them a few more problems than what we did. So to come away three 0 and 
many many managers say we're the better team, but we've lost the game. So, um, given I suppose the recent run of results, the way things have been going, how important was that third goal just to kind of seal the deal? To yeah. probably a bit of pressure off. Yeah, the yeah, because yeah, you know if they scored and it's, it gives them a little bit of bit of belief that they possibly could get back in the game. But to get the third goal, I felt that was the uh, yeah. the killer blow for Pats, and obviously it gives us that little bit of freedom to make one or two substitutions and, and go on and see the game out and it breaks that kind of psychological is, is it a psychological thing when you kind of you start finding yourself conceding late in games or is it a well we, we know uh, we know we have conceded late and that's what I was pleased about more than anything else you know the goals we have conceded and what where it's cost us points or results have always usually coming in around the last 15-10 minutes so um, the lads knew the importance of trying to keep a clean sheet and, and keep the ball out of the back of the net and just don't give them any little belief or whatever what will enable them to try and get back in the game and, and we've seen it out really well um, It's particularly tight this league is always tight but particularly given the fact that it's kind of all concentrated now um, like you were all there was a 4v on, I think, on 11 points and you were 4 points ahead of 7 now you're double the points of the relegation places so how big is that in terms of the context we've just got yeah and, and you know like I say you can win and jump 4 places you can lose you can drop in the, in the relegation areas so We've only, the only thing I'm bothered about is, is Waterford, making sure we take care of ourselves. Don't worry about anyone else. But the league is very tight. You lose a game, and like I say, it's very evenly. And There's a lot, six, seven, eight teams there thinking they can possibly get into Europe or at the same time get relegated. Yeah, and I suppose, look, Bowles next to another team that are kind of, they started well, but they're a team that you could probably fancy yourselves now if you're no, on I the I wouldn't say we fancy ourselves. Cause <laughs> doing real, the two, we knew the importance of winning this game and the next two games are first and second league so yeah. the big test for us looking forward to the games but we know they really had test um, what's the chances of Daryl being fit for that no, just, uh, we'll have to wait with the physio he's with yeah. the physio and hopefully he's, we'll work hard and try and get him out on the pitch and um, is this it in terms of squad signings are we anything more no no we won't be bringing no one in no no. tracking sport across the southeast. East Extra uh, it's not very often I get to say this sentence but uh, great to have you in studio uh, Tommy O'Mahony <laughs> thanks a million for coming in um, of the WAT Wildcats and the Vikings as well um, Tommy I suppose look um, we were just talking about it there off air um, first of all you might tell us kind of what's been happening since lockdown if anything's been happening and even I was a bit confused as to kind of what the clarification is around what's actually happening in terms of the guidelines so you might kind of take us through those bit by bit for those who aren't as learned as yourself yeah yeah um, I suppose basketball is, is kind of tough sport just because it's indoors and obviously all indoor sports is is, is pretty hard in, in these times anyway um, but initially um, basketball was all obviously shut down in March and it was kind of I suppose basketball rather than other sports because basketball was mostly coming to the end of the season March, April anyway so they kind of it was on, we only missed a month of the season and we usually start around September or August, September so it's kind of good in that way that we didn't miss a bulk of the season, but I suppose it's kind of all up in the air at the moment. Um, so we were allowed to go back in August and it was, I think it was 50 indoors allowed and so on. But again, there was different guidelines about training, about trying to keep your distance as much as you can, but games were allowed. And then the latest restrictions are that you're allowed to train in pods of six um, but the pods must stay together the whole time if you know what I mean yeah so. but as we were saying they don't have to train on different days like you can have let's say like five pods of six yeah, so you can so have 30 in a gym but yeah. just in their separate in pods their, yeah so they can't mix in, their, in yeah. their separate pods so they just can't mix 
Um, but as I said, you know, we can still have games and still have the tournaments. But in training wise, they, the pods just can't mix. But that's up till September 13th. They might come in with no, new guidelines. Yeah. So you never know. So, so it's all changing, you know. So basically, as the situation as it stands is that the you can go training in a group of six. So you can have a group of the team, but they can only train with their six. They have to stay within that six. Yeah, they have to but stay within six. But then you can all get in a bus or presumably and drive to a port leash or a whatever, play a match up yeah. there where you're playing against a roster of. 18 others yeah, from Port Leash and then when you come back on the Monday you have to go back into your six again training yes pretty much now like they have issued guidelines about carpooling and stuff that does not recommend it and stuff and on buses but wearing masks but yes I understand you know the whole yeah, it seems <laughs> it seems bizarre. Like yeah. I, I know I know the basketball Ireland looking looking for confirmation about this, but I mean from your perspective, how do you select the which six go with which six? Yeah, well at the moment we're only kind of going getting back into it, you know. Mm. So like we've we in the club now, we've done the eighteens and the seniors. Now for the seniors is a bit different because they're 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 classed as elite, so they can train as train as oh, normal. Okay. Um, elite uh, so elite would be seniors and international teams and stuff like that so they're training as normal but any any other basketballers have to stay in the pods of six so it's, I suppose that people are trying to find out and a lot of clubs like we wouldn't bring back we're not bringing back the underage now until after September 13th because it's kind of hard to tell the younger ones they must stay in this pod or that pod or so on yeah. so we'll see what their restrictions are then hopefully they might be lifted but and you're a teacher yourself Tommy aren't you yeah I am yeah, yeah so so I mean so you bring back the, the girls who largely let's be honest in a lot of cases are probably all in school together anyway um, and then they're having to go I suppose yeah we have to wait and see until after September 13th but um, how has it been anyway that whole kind of that, that situation through lockdown um, and everything else because you know I mean outdoor sports uh, like we did we all had to kind of go into this lockdown but there was a point where even I was saying to you with soccer, we came back about maybe a month and a half ago, whereas you guys, you know, like still now it's September, we've been through or almost going into a second lockdown yeah. or what could be potentially moving towards that and there's still there's still be no action. Yeah, look, I suppose as being an indoor sport is going to be pretty hard and I think it's going to be hard for during the season. And like I know some clubs or some, like we, we the Wildcats normally play in the, the Cork League and I think they're talking about not starting their, their leagues until January now, mm. uh, pushing out that way. Because obviously it's unexpected. I don't know what's going to happen or where it's going to go. And there's no point starting a league and then, you know, it's yeah. shut down for a while and so on. Um, but, you know, I suppose in indoor sport, it's, it's kind of hard to, to fathom what, what, what you're going to do. So we can only do as much as we can. You uh, but know. is there any chance of, of turning it into an outdoor sport? Like, is there any been any talk of using, like, sprucing up some of the outdoor courts you have um, and potentially playing games outdoors during an afternoon? Like, we had talked about it a bit during the summer about, the obviously, the kids wanted to get out. And there was a, a new documentary that came out there on Netflix in April and May, uh, The Last Dance, yeah. Michael Jordan. And obviously, everyone's watching that and everyone wanted to go play. And, like, in Waterford alone, I think we have two outdoor courts and they're not very good, yeah. you know, but... Um, like in the school now we've been out their court but the surface is not great either you know um, but I suppose the other thing doesn't help it is the weather and the concrete and the, and the surface and so on so I suppose if it went on we'd probably be looking at that situation but it's kind of hard when we don't have the facilities and don't have the money to do it either. Yeah and I suppose that's the question um, around money because we've seen some of the other associations like the big three have gotten a huge amount of grants in yeah. terms of being able to, to go and give to their clubs to do this or to, to use for other means Um 
So, like, has there been any word from Basketball Ireland? What kind yeah. of help have they so, gotten from Sport So, Ireland? there's a resilient fund there. I think I think that the big three get, like, 20 million, or I'm not exactly sure. And then the other, I think there must be another uh, 25 sports between them get a certain amount. So, we had to fill up these forms, and I, obviously, I think there's about 20 forms you had to fill up, and what money you lost, and... So on, so we've kind of sent that in, and I know Waterford Sports Partnership there's a, a fund there, okay. you know. So I don't know what will make of it and what will come back of it, but I suppose there is a bit there. But I suppose when you're not as popular as the GA or the soccer, or the rugby, you're always going to fall in between two chairs, you know. Yeah, and there's a lot of sports like I think left in that kind of, especially the indoor ones, because obviously all of our bigger sports will be outdoor sports. So a lot of I think. Um, sports kind of left in limbo like if if I don't know if you had a magic wand tomorrow and you could say right you know this is the way I would like it done or in, in speaking to what are the other clubs around like is there a kind of a consensus on what you might like to see done um, not really I, the only thing I suppose we like to, like to be done is kind of get our own gyms because we're always relying on other people's gyms you know and I suppose what some the the fear is like a lot of a lot of schools were thinking about using their gym as a classroom yep. you know when that came out first and then obviously if that was going to be then we'd know base where to go and so on so um i suppose that's a, that's a big cost you know um getting coaching courses getting different equipment you know things like that that always all cost money you know but i suppose the gym is the big one but i suppose that's that's too big to to, to look at you know well you know it shouldn't be really yeah. i mean realistically i mean a lot of other countries around that even aren't very big basketball powerhouses even some of the european countries where it would be popular mm -hmm. but maybe not again coming up against other sports still a lot of them have their own gyms a lot of them have their own yeah. facilities even thinking of france which is you know they have some serious venues there that are basketball specific like i was um, in, i was in spain there last last year and i just saw the facilities in the gym and i was asking you know the, the coach there and he was telling me that every community is given a gym by the council and they give the gym over to the to the clubs yeah. and say okay there you go there's your gym uh, and there's no money passed over and you have to mind it for us and obviously the clubs are providing a facility if you know what I mean yeah it's absolutely like a gym is not there just to make money which yeah. if in Ireland it seems to be there it just well uh, you know we live in a we live in a country where 30 million euros can be given to a single stadium which caters for no other sport other yeah. than two but anyway um, I suppose uh, speaking of the last dance and all that uh, I suppose first of all uh, did you kind of anticipate that the, the fact that it would blow up so much um, because you know like even the cricket whenever Ireland do well in the cricket there's always a huge explosion in numbers and I suppose um, how's that challenge in terms of trying to retain that have you have you got many players off the back of it or has, has the buzz kind of gone are you waiting for season 2 now to come around again well, so you can because we haven't opened up we haven't we, we don't know if we've got it on the back of it you know yeah. what I mean because at the moment all our all our teams are shut down we haven't opened up like we've only two teams back at the moment so I would think there'd be there'd be a small bit of uplift, uplift if you know what I mean I think not so much from the girls club but maybe from the boys club because I think boys are more into the NBA than, than than the girls would be you know but um, Michael Jordan being such an iconic figure I think people didn't realise what he did until they actually <laughs> actually sat down and even I was talking to people they wouldn't even be basketball people they'd be just and they were like you know couldn't get over yeah. the whole thing and they were intrigued by this you know uh, nine part series or whatever it was you absolutely, know absolutely yeah and it's amazing the kind of the kind of effect it can have and I suppose mm -hmm. basketball back in the headlines again recently we've seen so often I think it's kind of 
beginning to change now, but so often we hear, oh, politics and sport don't mix and it's almost kind of an excuse to mm. to kind of get out of it or to, you know, to try and pretend that the problem isn't there. Um, I suppose as a big basketball fan yourself and somebody who no doubt watches a lot of the NBA, um, your kind of thoughts on on the decision, I suppose, some of the players to walk off and that, that kind of sparked a chain then across sports of baseball. Yeah. You know, I know football isn't back, but hockey and everything, they've all kind of had their own moments. Like, uh, especially in America, sport is so big and I suppose basketball is would be one of the big ones with, with American football and so on. So mm-hmm. they do they do take a lot of credence over there, you know. But like everyone looks up to them and sees what they're doing and, and takes note, you know. Um, so look, I, I I believe what they did was right. Um, I'm not sure it's going to make any difference, but I think, it, you know, they, they, stood, they stood up for Black Lives Matter at the start and I suppose they wanted to carry that over as well. You know, they were one of the major ones and everyone else followed behind. I suppose that's the thing. Like, I mean, you look at the likes of Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or, you know, these guys are are some of the major, especially for males, some of the major black role models for people in America. And it's great to see some of them standing up for it and kind of, you know, playing that role as that role model. And especially, especially I think basketball comes from all backgrounds. It's not just the upper class, you know, especially lower class people. A lot of people in America, especially in America, would would play basketball. And I suppose that's that's where the issues would come from, you know, especially from from black people in, in in that situation so I suppose everyone can resonate from, from what it was like when they were young you know yeah. so they can see uh, and problems I suppose, and issues I suppose um, okay so final thoughts from yourself um, first of all I want to hear your final thoughts on, me, on the NBA playoffs yeah. um, what are you seeing who do you think is is kind of is kind of up there because we're getting towards the yeah um, like I, I think it's really intriguing because big thing is about the NBA playoffs is you know the home advantage the away advantage and it's crucial and who's got who's got home advantage here and the seven game series and plus like sometimes they're travelling like six hours to get their game mm. and obviously that plays in where they're in the bubble at the moment and they're they're, con- they're just there and they're just there to play basketball and there's no outside influences if you know what I mean yeah. so it's just basketball like uh, Paul George had, had a big issue you know, he was playing for the first, I don't know, four games or five games and he was like scoring five points a game. He said he just get it, couldn't get no his energy. Around. He had no energy. He couldn't yeah. get his head around. Now in the last couple of games, he got there, you know. I'm really intrigued to watch this just because it's just going to be basketball. It's not going to be home. It's not going to be away. Like Lakers had a had a nice, easy, you know, they won four and one. They're into the semifinal. Now they're waiting for Houston, which is their three and three with OKC. So that should be an interesting tie. Um, like Boston, I didn't expect them, like, do as well. They're two and zero against Raptors, and Raptor like obviously won a very recent run, yeah. run it last year. You know, yeah. so um, that should be interesting as well. Like, you know, they were talking about boycotting it initially when that second thing came out, and I think two teams voted to boycott it to end the season, and that was the two uh, LA teams, Lakers, yeah, and Clippers, and yeah. Lakers are probably one of the favourites for it, if you know what I mean. You know, but obviously the Bucks are still there with Giannis. You can't rule them out as well. So. You know, it's going to be real. Like of all years, I think this is the year that I'm really intrigued to see what's going to happen. For yeah, us. and as you say, it's kind of on merit alone. Like yeah. there's no kind of extra advantage. And I suppose finally, yourself, um, what are the plans now in terms of uh, the Super League um, going forward? 
Yeah. Um, so Gillian's coaching the Super League. Uh, Gillian Hayes is coaching the Super League team this year. So we're kind of at the moment. Uh, the league is down for I think the middle of October mm. start date. So we're trying to start out Americans and foreign players. And I suppose the the issue of getting people in from America is a problem this year, just with visas and situations happening over there. So that's obviously an issue. But the girls are training away. Um, so hopefully it all goes to plan. But I'm not sure it will. <laughs> Do you think there was an opportunity missed there not to start it earlier? Um, I think they were being overcautious, but yeah. you know, I think so, some teams didn't want to start it earlier because they didn't they didn't feel they were in a safe place. But like they what they did with they've done with the Super League, they've they've split it in half so they're in conferences. Okay. So like Watford Reduces, would be yeah. playing only Cork teams, they wouldn't be going to Dublin or they'd be only playing Limerick Cork. You know, maybe go to Kilkenny oh, yeah, sure. and Kerry, kind yeah. of that area, and then after Christmas, if uh, hopefully they go cross conference, then but oh, yeah, okay. there's an option just to go in one conference. Um, but it's it's difficult for teams like if you're getting over some teams to play in American, if they're getting them over and then it's shut down for a month, you could keep paying them, yeah. or do you send them home? Or in like uh, basketball clubs wouldn't be wouldn't have a lot of money, you know, so yeah, there's an issue. It's very an issue. difficult. And I suppose, does that mean now that even when you're looking for American players, you're kind of telling them, look, like, mm. it's probably going to be a, a four-month contract until Christmas and then we'll kind of yeah. figure it out. So they'd have to know, they'd have to know that too, you know, yeah. so that'd be a lot why this year a lot of people are trying to look for Europeans because mm. obviously it's a lot easier to send home a European where it's 50 or a flight or something rather than send home an American, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, But we're lucky enough now we have our Amer one of our Americans uh, Jasmine Walker, uh, she's working in Watford, so she's here the whole time, you know. Um, so that's obviously an added plus. But for other clubs which wouldn't have that facility, it's kind of harder on them, you know. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports beat extra. Finally, we hear from Ella Malloy, the 16-year-old who in a year has gone from Thomastown to the Irish national squad. The Inishtig native has started just three games for Wexford Jude's in the Women's National League but finds herself in the extended squad for Ireland's game against Germany. I caught up with her and youth's manager Tom Elms with a huge game against Piedmont United this evening on the horizon. Uh, I was in the kitchen coming back from training and my dad was on a call with Tom and Vera and she just told me the news. Could you believe it? No, I was fairly shocked. <laughs> like, had you, had you any indication, kind of, over the last couple of games, you were being looked at? Or was anybody telling you that there were um, any scouts in or anything? My, my dad had kind of gave me a few hints, but I never thought that I'd actually get called into the squad. Yeah. So I still don't really believe it. It's amazing because, like, what this time last year playing with Thomastown, so now to be in the women's national league and straight away up to the Ireland senior squad, amazing journey, isn't it? Yeah, I've been training with Wexford for the last like year and a half, so. I've been in around, but to be just in the squad so soon, like I was just waiting to play my first national league game and then straight in to the squad, it's kind of hard to believe. Are you getting a bit of stick from the from the lads straight away in there? Got an easy ride? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I suppose tell us how uh, you know. I know you were training with the squad, obviously, but um, tell us a little bit about how um, you know playing now in women's national league has been. How's how's the start been? And I suppose what's the difference? What do you feel has been the level up? Well. The first game with Bows, it was a lot. It was kind of, it was kind of a, a good start because they weren't like like shells or pavement. And mm. then so at the weekend was kind of my first big tester, and like definitely is a lot more intense and more physical, and it's better quality, better opposition than like yeah. the Kilkenny leagues. Well, I suppose for somebody like you, it's it's great that way, isn't it? You really want to test yourself against the best in the country. 
Yeah, I definitely, like, I'm enjoying having good games week in, week out, rather than, like, in Thomastown, we wouldn't really get the big competitive games that we do every week here. Brilliant. Um, Tom, I suppose, first of all, on Ellen, look, uh, does, uh, you know, it's un- it's not unusual for a Wexford Jude's woman to be donning the green of Ireland, but for a 16-year-old to be brought into the team is, is an unbelievable achievement. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a great achievement for, for Ellen. It's also great for the club to see players progressing forward as well. Um, but yeah, look, Ellen's been in training now, like she said, for uh, over a year and a half, and we've seen the ability and what she's capable of. It was always just a matter of time before uh, she got the opportunity to play and, and, and everyone else could see how good she was against really good, strong opposition. And uh, she's doing that really well so far, but, you know, it's 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 a long journey for Ellen. Um, she keeps herself grounded which is the, the main thing so um, we're really we're really proud though we're really um, pleased for and, and hope uh, it all goes well um, I suppose you know that's a great sign for you have obviously the, the under 17s National League a lot of young women in this squad there always is really a National League level so it, it's a good sign of sign to the other girls around the squad kind of saying look like there's no reason age isn't a factor you, you, if you're good enough you'll get the pick no if you're good enough you're old enough um, and, and that's really good to say it's it's, uh, it's good to see that, that Vera has that attitude as well and she's giving players the chance um, to come in. And even if it's a uh, you know, learning uh, opportunity for some players uh, young going in, it's, it's going to stand to them as well. And I suppose speaking of Vera, she got that contract extension as well. It's kind of good to have that stability from the top down, isn't it? Even at managing in the league. Yeah, I think, I think we need to have a little bit of stability now and uh, chopping and changing of international managers is never really great. It's, it's nice to know what that uh, senior manager wants, what they're looking for in players and Obviously, then when they're communicating with you, you can you know build a relationship and, and talk to them about players that are in the league, which is really good. Speaking of sp- stability, um, what is it? Five months ago, I was sitting with you inside the sports office there, and we were talking about how long the preseason was. Um, could you? I mean, there must have been a stage you thought you'd never get a game of ball. Yeah, no, two two preseasons is tough, um, and I think we were right at the end of the first preseason when things were about to kick off. Yeah. Um, ready for our first game, and obviously that got knocked back. So it's been it's been a um, been a tough time, um, but I think in reality, you know, the importance of the the social distancing and following guidelines has been the most important thing. Um, but the girls are fantastic. We're in regular contact through Zoom and Microsoft Teams, as everyone else has been, and the odd quizzes and group workouts and stuff like that. But at the same time, they've followed their their programs really well. And when they did come back for the second preseason. They were in really good condition. It meant we could just get the ball down and, and get going uh, straight away, which was really positive as well. Yeah, and I know how many playing junior B, how many, how much lads are itching to get back to it. So, I mean, especially with elite players, it must be so difficult to kind of keep themselves motivated and keep things driving on because nobody's ever experienced anything like this. No, and I think like the longest, longest time they've spent apart from each other would be from November when they, you know, the cup final uh, finishes in the first weekend in November, and then. I think they get a few weeks off and we're back in January for, for, for early testing to begin our next pre-season around March time, sorry, February time. So um, there's close contact all the time. So to be separated from each other for that long, I think was quite tough and quite strange for them. But I think it, it ignited the fire again for a lot of the other maybe senior players and made them realise how much they really miss it and you know that they enjoy the commitment towards the training and, and the club and, and the National League. 
Um, and then I suppose I might just get, let you take the microphone back. Uh, same goes for you, I suppose, from your experience, like, you know, playing regularly with Thomastown and I suppose training regularly with the lads. It must have been difficult when you were kind of all set to kind of head into the National League and play that level and then to be told you had another couple of months. Like, how was that kind of, how was that mentally for you to try and keep going and pushing through without that kind of game in sight? Yeah, it was hard because it was, I think it was a few days before our first game and my first game in the National League yeah. and then the whole lockdown. So it was hard to take. And at times it was hard, you'd lose motivation, but we were in contact with each other a lot with Zooms and stuff, so we kind of got helped each other. I, I suppose it kind of helps as well. Like, I saw like there's a couple of younger girls in the squad, even Maeve is a great example of that. Like, so it kind of helps, I suppose, just people around your age, you can kind of, you know, you're not, the, you're not a 16-year-old coming into a squad for the 30-year-olds with completely different life experience. Yeah, well, I was in contact with Maeve and Avian and Clancy, a few of the girls, and we yeah. kind of motivated each other and... So it was it was also good to have time to kind of reflect on what you can improve and you had that time to improve like you're never going to get that much time again to yeah. focus on yourself and improve on like the little small things that yeah. Absolutely. And I suppose finally, uh, P Mount Saturday. Um, look, your thoughts ahead of it. What, what are you thinking? I suppose a disappointing defeat against Chelsea last week, but a chance to kind of bounce back, I suppose, from it now this weekend. Yeah, well, we need a win anyway. We need the three points. So it'll be a good test. And just P Mount are the best. So we want to beat the best if we want to win the league. So uh, Tom, I suppose, look, um, a bit more in depth maybe about last Saturday. Um, I suppose, as I said, it's always it seems to be kind of, it was the same last season I know obviously BP mounted the final of the FAI which was fantastic but um, it's the big teams it's the teams around you are the ones you're struggling to get points against and that's really killing you in the league isn't it yeah it's, it's really frustrating I mean we're coming away from another game uh, against Shelburne where you know we feel we, we dominate the game for large periods I think we conceded one chance in the first half and it was a goal it was yeah. a free goal from across from the sideline it's gone off the, off the far post and in you can't allow for that but you know, you, you can't make excuses at the same time. You know, we need to start, you know, converting some of our chances and, and, and putting the ball away. And uh, until we start doing that, then you know that's going to continue happening. And, we, and that's not what we want either. Do you think it's maybe it's too early to say, but sometimes it can kind of get in players' heads that you know they kind of think, oh God, we haven't beaten this crowd in a while, or you know, it, 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 does it does? Do you think it affects the players, or do you I, think it's just a case? I of, don't think so. No. We, we could have we could have said that going into um, the cup final last year it hadn't yeah. been a, a fantastic year for us um, against some of the bigger sides, um, but going into the cup final we, we were excellent. Um, so deep down we know the performances are there, and uh, we've just got to make sure that we're fully prepared and, and everyone's on the ball for, for, for the game and. Um, we don't leave anything behind us that's, that's really important as well yeah I suppose is that kind of the message you'll be sending there on Saturday just with, with, with Piedmont obviously like you know the Shelburne I suppose really this weekend's game kind of contextualises last weekend's doesn't it because if you win this weekend you can kind of put the last weekend down to just not over the line if you lose this one you're really playing catch up yeah like you know yeah you do if you lose this you are playing catch up it's all well and good saying it was a close game we should have won but at the end of the day then that's six points uh You've fallen behind, so we don't we don't want that to happen. Um, you know, we, we look we look back at our analysis, and it's, it's it's positive. You know, we take the positives from it that we were strong in the game, uh, created chances, um, and what we got to do is just keep working on it in training and, and keep looking to convert these these chances into goals. Sports beat extra beats one hundred two one hundred three.
So that's all from this week's Sports Beat Extra. Remember, you can listen back by going to beat102103.com forward slash podcasts. But up next is Trish with Beat Anthems.